and welcome to another end of the year special wrap-up episode. This time we're talking about video games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do this every year where we talk about all the big news stories that happened uh, in video games, culminating into our story of the year. From there, we then roll right into our top five lists where we pick Game of the Year for the Media Boat Podcast. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Yes, thank you for joining us. This is number two in our list of four with a fifth special wrap-up show as well at the end. Uh, but yes, we're talking about video games today. What a year for video games. Oh my god. So many great, great games came out this year. There are too many things to talk about. News-wise, uh, quieter is what I'll say. A quieter year for video games, news-wise, but uh, that doesn't mean things didn't happen. It's just that they just weren't that exciting. But eventually, we will have to choose some big story, some big narrative that uh, ends them all. And I have a feeling we know what that is. I have a feeling we know yeah, what that is. No, we really don't want to say it, but... We'll get there. We'll yes. get there. But let's start in our time machine here. Do, 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 do. We'll do that in the music. Oh, I did it in the background. Way back in January. Yes, 2022. Yes, way back in January where we started with the speculation that GoldenEye <laughs> 007 would be getting a re-release. And boy, were we right about that. And we were right, but it's still not out, believe it or not. <laughs> the calendar year has already elapsed. And yes, this rumored, now confirmed, remake of GoldenEye 007 still has not hit Xbox uh, Game Pass. Uh, we're still waiting on it, but we do know what's happening. Also, the weirdest wrinkle of this is that it's also coming to Switch, but for whatever reason, the Switch version is the only one with online multiplayer, which has blown people's brains. Mm -hmm. So yes, we'll probably talk more about that when next year, when it actually comes out. Speaking of things that are coming out next year, yes. we got the announcement of the PlayStation VR 2. Yes, and as the year went on, we got more and more details about it including a release date and price. We now know it's like over $500. Yep. It's more expensive than the PS5 it runs on. And um, yeah, it seems like a big, uh, like a pretty good piece of tech for people who want a VR helmet. People um, who can afford a VR helmet. That's also true. And also have the space for it. Yeah, so that comes out next year. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but I don't know if this is the thing that's going to make a VR uh, more mainstream. We will see. Is this the thing? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we also had back in January, Riot Games agreeing to pay $100 million to settle the class action lawsuit over alleged gender discrimination, which I believe yes. was our story of the uh, year, year 2020. 20, I think, yeah. Yes. I think you're right. Um, yeah, this is kind of finally Riot having to pay out for something that they uh, were proved over and over and over again was their fault. Um, yeah, it was good to see uh, the victims of this kind of thing actually get paid for once. It was a refreshing story. Yep. Uh, and we also have to say goodbye, unfortunately. Yes. The the solemn passing of 10 years, I believe, taken so soon. Not quite 10. No, maybe. Uh, Microsoft has officially stopped production on the Xbox One consoles. Yeah. Nine years. Uh, the 10th anniversary would be next year. They were 2013 release. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the Xbox One discontinued, largely so that they could focus manufacturing on the series consoles, Series S and X. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, uh, considering that for a while they were very in limited supply. Now, uh, reportedly, supply has increased. Uh, in fact, 
I didn't have it on this week's show, but one of the stories this past week after Black Friday was that the Series X was in the top five most popular bought products over Black Friday this year. Oh. Yeah. So it's a Black They're Friday. Selling. It's a Series X Christmas. It was. It was a Series X Christmas for a lot of families this year. And yeah, it's good to see them being available to buy. But yes, that meant Microsoft had to make the call of ending production for the previous generation. And yeah, I think looking back, we can largely say Xbox One... Mm, largely a failed experiment. Yeah. Rough, rough launch, and I don't think it ever well, went up. When you go from 360 to 1, yeah. you're back in the same place you started. And especially when you face the PlayStation 4, yes. which still looks like a juggernaut, even compared to PlayStation 5. Still like that. Only second to PS2 in terms of popularity and uh, just ubiquity. Like, the PS4 did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. So, And then we get to... Probably story of the year. I would say. Oh, but yeah. it's early, so we're going to keep listing more stories as they come. But this is a big front runner in that Microsoft, um, parent company to Xbox, has reached an agreement to acquire Activision Blizzard. Yes, this. For the tune of $68.7 <laughs> billion. So, as you might imagine, something this big immediately becomes the biggest video game uh, industry acquisition, topping the previous biggest acquisition, which was Microsoft by Bethesda uh, before this. Um, so, yeah, this would increase uh, Microsoft's span, uh, span of uh, like uh, subsidiaries to include Activision, which, of course, where the Call of Duty lives, yep. Blizzard, oh. where World of Warcraft lives, and Overwatch, yeah, and King, the mobile developer famous for Candy Crush, would all be under Microsoft's umbrella. Of course, over the course of the year, we saw this get challenged in several different ways that I think even Microsoft didn't see coming. Not just challenges in the FTC here Mm -hmm. in the U.S., but also through EU regulations. Yes, it is getting hammered in the U.K. and the EU, where regulation for these kind of big acquisitions is taken seriously. And there was a question here whether it would not be taken seriously or not here in the U.S. And it looks like it will be with the FTC, as of this recording, looking into taking them to court on it. So, yeah, there is an antitrust conversation to have here. And, of course, platform rival Sony is one of the most vocal opponents, saying that locking down Call of Duty as a Microsoft product threatens the future of the PlayStation brand, saying that one of the most important games having it taken away from you, will do bad numbers for PlayStation. Not just games, but franchises. Right, yeah. So there's a lot of working parts here, and yes, this has not been resolved and will not be resolved until next year, where we likely do see a court battle uh, to determine the legality of this. But ultimately, everybody's got to be cool with it for it to move on. So Microsoft is now just has to do their best to make the concessions needed and try to sell themselves to say... They can own Activision and not be anti-competitive. So we'll see what happens. But ultimately, it's kind of such a recurring theme this year that it's hard not it's hard to argue that this this is the this, the not story of the year. Like yeah, I mean Microsoft came out and said that they would like verbally continue to put Call of Duty out on all yeah. platforms as possible. Yes, um, even as going far as to saying that. We're not taking it away. Right. They even say, they even made the concession of saying, hey, we probably won't even put this on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Like, the assumption was that they would, but they're out there saying, like, 
hey, you know, if it makes it fe- you feel better about this, maybe we don't put it on Game Pass. Maybe it makes enough money where we don't need to consider other ways to make money on Game Pass or not Call of Duty. It already is the one of the best selling games of the year. In fact, as of this recording, I believe Modern Warfare Two is the best selling game of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could change rapidly with Pokemon gaming Steam, though. Yes. So we'll see. Uh, yes, by the end of the year, yeah, those numbers could, could change. It could catch up. But yeah. Um, overall, though, yeah, just such a such a multifaceted story that would technically have a huge impact on the game industry if it goes through and uh, has whipped up quite a conversation. Good. But um, Activision Blizzard isn't without its own yes. issues, as yes. we pointed out during last, last year's year. podcast, and even into this year, where uh, one of the studios under them, Ravensoft, had a group of quality assurance testers uh, vote to unionize. Yes. This that is, would be a common theme throughout the year. Yes. This has been the aftermath of last year's story, uh, which is, hey, we were taking these companies who have these archaic practices and maybe aren't running the best uh, uh, business that they could, and they're saying, look, well, how do we react to this as, as people in the labor field? We unionize. And then we were seeing it more and more and more this year. And it's exciting to especially have this happen in companies as big as Activision Blizzard. Yep. Uh, we also had EA and Respawn announce a deal for three Lucasfilm games. Yeah. And one of them was officially announced to be the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order sequel. Yeah. Which, uh, what are they calling that thing now? Uh, there is a name. I forget what it is. Yes. But there is a name out now. I believe we'll see more of that in the Game Awards, uh, which is in days at this point. Um, we'll talk about that, I guess, next week on the regular show. We didn't say that during the video today. But, uh, but yeah, um, this is an interesting uh, uh, development considering that we had just done a story last year about how Lucas and Disney were making a big deal about, oh, don't worry, we're going to let many studios make Star Wars and games in our universes now. It's not just going to be the deal we had with EA for like a decade where EA was just putting out games that nobody wanted to play mm-hmm. and making and embarrassing themselves with battle bottles like battle Battle Pass. 2. And yeah, and, and now they and now instead they're coming back to EA and be like, yeah, but we're cool with Respawn. And if Respawn makes our games mm-hmm. and they're successful just like Fallen Order was, then sure, that's fine. So it's interesting to see them like kind of trying to see what their best bets are. And making deals accordingly. Yep. Um, not to be outdone by <laughs> Microsoft, Sony announced that they would be purchasing Bungie. Yeah. This uh, was a surprising one. Yeah. Um, this, of course, gives them control, uh, future control of the Destiny brand. Um, as, and this is kind of a long-term game for Sony. The, the, the deal, I guess, is to create live games ultimately, under the PlayStation banner going forward, like Destiny. And so having a company that is very good at making that kind of game, Bungie, is a good investment for them. And it makes sense for where PlayStation wants to go in this new era of metaverse, Fortnite, kind of live game kind of games. Yeah, I mean, it is weird to hear that, like, Crash Bandicoot is owned by Microsoft. Right, and... And then Bungie... A studio that used to be synonymous with Halo is now owned by Sony. Yeah, it's weird. Yep. Uh, Let's see. We also had Mario Kart 8 Deluxe getting DLC. It kind of got a second life this year in a weird way. A game that is actually 
kind of old, considering it was a Wii U game. Um, yeah, they did this cool little uh, DLC pack where they were releasing four tracks at a time for over the course of several, several months through the next year. And it's kind of cool. I've already played a couple of these uh, drops, and they're fun and new courses. And it does create this, like, oh, I'm going to go back to Mario Kart every few months, which I'm sure Nintendo loves. Yes. So and it also gets in the sign for uh, the online. Yes, the online expansion pass. And, yeah, honestly, I think if you have Mario Kart, this is the reason to get that expansion pass. Yep. Also, uh, the Switch officially became Nintendo's best-selling home console. Not to be confused yes. with handheld consoles. Yeah, best-selling home console of all time. That, of course, uh, including does not the include, Wii, as you mentioned, the DS. It does pass the Wii, uh, which is quite a deal. It just goes to show you that the Wii, uh, the Switch, has been a huge success for Nintendo. Yep, and then we had a bunch of Switch announcements during a lot of their directs. <laughs> this is where we learned about mouthful mode. Yes, mouthful mode, mouthful mode for Kirby and the Forgotten Land. We'll talk more about Kirby a little later. Yes, we will. Um, as well as all Kingdom Hearts games coming mm-hmm. to the Switch, even if it is cloud-based. They're still there. As well as uh, Nintendo announcing that Gary Bowser would be going directly to jail Yes, for dealing with Nintendo ROMs. Yeah, he had owned a site uh, that was also a member of a hacking group that was selling ROMs and making them easy to get, and that you'd be played on Switch and 3DS. Nintendo, very sensitive about their IP, uh, kind of made a statement where they were like, yeah, you do this, this is what's going to happen. They raised the stakes a little bit and said, we are not afraid of doing this. Yeah, does it suck? Probably. Should you be doing illegal shit? Probably not. But... I think the bigger story here is that, yeah, Nintendo is proving that they are extremely litigious. I would say probably too too much of an extreme. Yes, but when the parent company or people who own it do not provide a way for you to yeah. enjoy the product... It's the biggest problem in video games right yeah, now, I would argue, which is like, there is no way to play older games in a way that is easy to do in a lot of cases. Especially as that leads into the next story of... Nintendo ceasing digital game yes. purchases on the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS systems in March of next year. Yes, the worst case scenario in the digital era is when a company decides, and eh, we're going to shut down the store. You can't buy this shit anymore. And yeah, it's what causes people to seek out emulation and ROMs. And I don't think these companies realize that, or if they do, they just straight up don't care. It's a money-making thing for them, and if they just decide, it's like, oh, well, this doesn't make them money anymore, they're going to turn it off. And it just sucks. It sucks for people doing curation. It sucks for people talking about history of video games. And it sucks for people who like games that there's no other way to play it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this was made quite a stink. And I believe they, uh, after this, they did extend it a little bit, uh, but not that much. And there's still going to be that hard date. Right. Anything that you had previously bought, you could re-download. Yeah, they did uh, say that. But you couldn't make any new purchases. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Yep. And then we get into the start of Game of the Years with Elden Ring. Yeah, Elden Ring. Big deal when it came out. I think that it'll probably appear on a lot of people's hearing lists right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the most accessible Souls game yet. Still not accessible enough for me, but that's another <laughs> story. 
Uh, yeah, it seemed like a really good game, and um, I'm glad that they made it. I'm glad that they made an open-world Souls game that gives you more freedom and options. And I think that it really did open the door for a wider audience to really appreciate what they do, they're, they're doing in that series. I mean... They won't be on our top five. Not on our top five. <laughs> I tried it. I gave it the good try. Bounced right off. I bounced right off. I ran into the first boss. I immediately <laughs> got lost. Yeah. I didn't know where I could go to talk to people. And instead yeah. of just running around like a chick with my head cut off, and I was like, you know, maybe this game just isn't for me. Yeah, I kept wandering around and everything I found was killing me. And I just got so fed up with it. I was like, I literally can't go anywhere without dying. See, that's the thing, though. That even when I did die, I appeared in this fiery place. And I was like, I don't know where I'm at. I'm here. Where's out? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I found that. So right that's Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, then that brings us into March, where we got the first announcement of the new Pokemon game, Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, kind of a recurring theme of the year was seeing more and more about this game and people wondering, like, wait, are they really going to make open-world Pokemon work? And, well, we'll get there, but, man, that question is not as simple as yes or no, is it? <laughs> well, especially since Pokemon Arceus yes. came out in January. It was kind of a, I would say, not exactly, like a midpoint, I think, between mm -hmm. the two ideas. And did try some experimental ideas that I didn't necessarily love, but a lot of people did. Uh, but again, does not show up on our top five lists. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Arceus doesn't. Arceus doesn't. Yeah. Well, neither does... Uh, or does it? Or does it? Or does it? Or does it? We'll get there. Anyways. No, this would be on my list. I've yet to play yeah, it. Yeah, that would be a good reason why it would be on your list. Yes, it's not on my list, because I've yet to play it. Um, <laughs> maybe next year I'll play it. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um... We also had Gran Torino servers, or seven. Gran Turismo. Turismo. That's it. Is it Gran Torino, which is that movie starring? Um, yeah, his servers were turned off. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, they were turned off for, for more than a day. Now, Gran Turismo 7, yes, had its servers turned off for more than a day. People were pissed. Yep. And Sony really didn't have much of a response to it. I don't think they ever actually, like, apologized or anything. I think that just, that game just had quite an awful launch. Yep. Uh, we also had the Wii Shop being down due to error codes. Yep, yep, yep. And people getting up in front about it. Uh, and then we get to April and the first <laughs> of Sony's new steered structures. So, now that we're a few months away from it, do you think the restructuring and rebranding of PlayStation Plus and introducing the tiered system and allowing you to stream some games, or not stream some games, download some games in a Game Pass-esque fashion... Do you think this was the best move, or do you think that they were fine as it was? Do you think, ultimately, did, is this a little bit of a, I don't know, a disappointment of a program? For me, it is, because I haven't downloaded a whole lot of games from the uh, the, the extra tier. Yeah. Uh, aside from Stray, which opened up yes. beginning, like, it was like, once they announced it, like, you can play Stray here. It's like, yes, this is what I want. New games that I can download yeah. and play. Yeah. And that was it. End of list. It. I know. This is the thing, and I'm glad you said that, because I largely agree. I got it for Stray. Play a little bit of Stray. I need to go back and finish Stray, actually. Oh, you should finish Stray. It's so good. I should finish Stray. But yeah, but um, I didn't really do anything else with the service, and I think that's the thing. The thing, I know Sony's whole bit is, oh, well, we don't want to do what Microsoft's doing because we want the value proposition for our first-party games 
to be higher. They want there still to be an incentive to go into a store and actually buy God of War on day one. That's what they want. Or they want you to God spend the entire $70 because they think mm-hmm. that the work their teams do, that that price tag is worth that kind of quality. Mm-hmm. That they're saying to do it where like Microsoft does it is to lower that quality bar and be like, oh, well, anybody can play this. I get that part of your argument. But what's not part of their argument that Microsoft is doing better than Sony is they're going out and getting deals that are not the big AAA releases too. Every time there's an announcement of such and such is coming from to Game Pass, it's interesting because of the deals they're getting. They're going out and doing the work and beginning games like Star Wars, uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, or mm-hmm. the upcoming um, shooter from the uh, Rick and Morty people, or right. getting games like Immortality, or getting games like Tinykin. They're out there making deals. Sony's not. Not since Stray. And it's such a waste, I think, of an opportunity, right? They could be out there in a similar way, challenging Microsoft and being like, well, we got this one on our service. You have to come to us. And then the word of mouth for that studio is done for them. The easy one that they could do is Final Fantasy. Yeah. Put all Final Fantasies on there, and you have people lining and at the door for it. That's the other half, is that their whole argument was like, oh, well, we have the back catalog stuff. We have the PlayStation Classic. Do you, though? But do they? What they did was they put a bunch of also-ran PS1, PS2, and PS3 games on there. And they're not the ones that people were begging for. Mm-hmm. They're largely, like, getting there, but, like, they're not the one. They didn't show up when they needed to do and made the compelling argument to the people who want to play those old games. They so did, they're in this, they're their credit. They did make the deal with Ubisoft. Yeah, that's true. But, but so the games pass. Yeah, it's already on Game Pass. So it's like, it's just they're in this weird middle ground where they won't commit enough to it to make it a worthwhile service. They're just outside of where they need to be with it. And I think that as long as they keep going like that, it's, it's going to continue feeling disappointing. And I don't know if I'm going to renew my subscription. after. I think I might go back, finish Stray, and then get rid of it. Because what am I using? No, don't let Sony hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sony. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it feels like it's a failed experiment, largely. And that kind of sucks to say. I mean, you go back to $60 a year, rather than uh, the extra, which would be $100. Oh, am I? I don't remember what I paid. Uh, Well, you paid the difference. But yeah, the extra would be $100 a year. And then the premium, which is $120 a year. It's honestly way too much for what you get. Yeah. But, hey, who am I to say? Someone will pay for it. Someone will pay for it. But will they enjoy it? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of things that we enjoyed listening to, (laughs) Activision Blizzard agreed to pay $18 million in settlement to sexual harassment lawsuits. That's two in a row. After Riot, Activision Blizzard also had to pay out. I don't know necessarily if this is for everything. They might have still some cases on the docket that they will eventually have to settle. So, hey, we'll see. Uh, more, hopefully, are on their way. Yep. Uh, let's see. And then, uh, speaking of Activision Blizzard, because they keep popping up for doing shitty Me things. Um, even what sounded good is on paper, in that their QA testers would become full-time employees. Mm-hmm. It did mean that they could not unionize. Yeah, that's kind of how they got... That was the like the monkey's paw kind of unfurling there. Yeah. Where I was like, yeah, this sounds good on paper, but in actuality, maybe not. 
But then, yeah, yeah. Even like the governor Gavin Newsom getting into yeah, the state of California sued their ass, and that is still ongoing. Yep. So yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we have the first teaser trailer of 2025 Game of the Year. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 4. Yeah, no, that thing still... I still think about that trailer every once in a while. Like, what a weird thing. Put like, Kingdom Hearts in a realistic setting? Yeah, Sora's swanky-ass apartment and seeing whatever hell is happening outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is happening in this game? What is this game about? I mean, Kingdom Hearts did have quite a bit of a year with closing down of both Union Cross and Dark Road finishing. Well, it was the 20th anniversary this year. As well as mentioning, and still not seen, the Kingdom Hearts mobile game, Missing Link. Yeah, so... They do have a roadmap, and they did so by showcasing Kingdom Hearts 4, saying, in development, it's not going away, but also, maybe it'll be here sooner than we think. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, especially since the disparity between 2 and 3 took... 13 years mm-hmm. and 13 months. Yeah. Well, probably it doesn't take as long. Probably it doesn't take as long. Yep. Uh, let's see here. We also had Xbox or Microsoft reportedly exploring <laughs> ads in its free-to-play games. Thankfully, this has yet to happen. <laughs> yep. And Disney announcing Disney Dreamlight Valley. Yeah. You were very high on. I played a lot of it. I don't know if I was high on it. Well, you played a lot of it. I played a lot of it. And, um, yeah, it's not showing up on my list is what I was saying. Mm-hmm. It barely didn't make the cutoff. Uh, I don't know why this is in here, but the Super Mario movie got delayed to yeah. 2023. I mean, it's a, it's a crossover between the movie section. Yeah. Uh, and then we got another purchasing. Of Embracer Group, yes, agreeing to acquire a large part of Square Enix's Western development arm, Eidos, yes, for three hundred million dollars. This was kind of a big deal, considering how Square treated the games under the Eidos umbrella while they were at Square. You had a lot of the same pattern, which was they would put out a game, whether it be Deus Ex or Tomb Raider or Hitman, mm-hmm. and then they would come out and they'd be like, "Well, that underperformed, so we're disappointed in it." Even after it sold really well. And this kept recurring over and over again all the way till Guardians of the Galaxy, which was the last straw, I guess. And then, yeah, they were more than willing to sell off. And now they were embraced. So, Uh yeah, so far the Embracer group has not necessarily announced a whole lot of what um, the Adas Studios will be. They did just get rid of one of their mobile teams. Uh, We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That Adas Montreal, their mobile team was disposed yep. of. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. But, yeah, they also acquired Square Enix Montreal as well as Crystal Dynamics. Right. So, yeah, Crystal Dynamics, that was also a weird year. They were also uh, kind of slapped it onto the perfect the perfect Dark reboot mm-hmm. by Microsoft and is helping in that game as well. So they're all over the place. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Moving on to other kind of crossover news. FIFA did not renew its license with EA. Yes. Meaning that the next series in the FIFA would not be FIFA, it'd just be a soccer club, right? EA Sports FC yes. is what they will be calling the Football series club. going forward. And yeah, it, it, the question remains about exactly how many how many deals that they're going to make with actual teams mm-hmm. because they will no longer have the FIFA branding. But at least this year's FIFA team was able to get Ted Lasso into it. <laughs> yes, that also did happen. Uh, we also had 
Jim Ryan of the CEO of Sony Interactive oh, yeah, Entertainment. An asset on himself over a company email. This is right. Yes, planning to donate to an abortion fund following criticism of his stance on reproductive rights. A topic that we didn't delve into this no, year on the podcast. It's but tough because stuff like that, yeah, when it becomes something like that, that's more of a social, social political thing. And this is not really the best place to just talk about it. We but when we'll talk about it during our yeah. end of the year podcast. But when it is, does intersect, it's uh, we do have an opportunity. And yeah, this was one of it. This was, of course, in the mm-hmm. aftermath of the Supreme Court uh, overturning Roe versus Wade. You saw a lot of companies kind of getting out there and saying whether or not that was something that they wanted to put their company behind. Mm-hmm. And Jim Ryan's mistake was basically saying in an email, "Hey, let's not talk about this," or like. Hey, maybe like respect everybody's opinion and like not like talk about it. And yeah, immediately everybody was like, "Ugh, that's the thing we repeat a lot on this podcast, which is silence is a political move. You're not being yeah. apolitical by not talking about something or saying not to talk about something. Saying you're not making a choice <laughs> is making a choice, choice to stay silent. Yeah, like so. Yeah, this is what Jim Ryan did, and it was nice to see him at least apologize for it in a financial way. That actually does make some difference. However, man, he didn't have to step in it, is what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, so that's Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan also had an awful year. <laughs> uh, like, he was constantly, like, sticking, sticking his nose and stuff that he probably shouldn't have this year. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for being, like, more or less Sony, like, yeah. fanboys, yeah, Jim Ryan's... He, he's, like, the... He's the equivalent that PlayStation has to... Um, uh, what's his name at Microsoft? Uh, Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer. Yeah, and so it's 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 kind of the contrast between the two guys is very funny to me. Yeah. Uh, so because there was no official E3 this year, right? Everyone did their own thing, including Summer Games Fest announcing Last of Us Part One being yes. remade, um, Resident Evil Four <laughs> being remade. Yeah, which we're seeing. Um, some footage of recently, and it actually looks pretty good. Yep, uh, the Callisto Protocol, which was announced and oh recently boy. came out. We did not talk about that on the podcast today, but it is getting immediately thrown under the bus. Yes. Apparently, review copies went out of that thing, and initial reviews were pitiful. Like, apparently, that game's combat sucks so much that it drags the whole game down. So, sad to see something that was that hyped up uh, fail to meet expectations. Uh, we also have Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is on the opposite of that spectrum. Game right, yes. Plays. People are really liking that thing. As well as Saints Row announcing Boss Factory. Oh, and that was the beginning of the end for Saints Row. We were very excited about that game before yes. we played it. <laughs> yeah, we played that. Wow. Uh, let's see here. We also had Xbox expanding its Game Pass Ultimate to include game demos and the ability to play purchase games via cloud streaming. Yeah, this was something they had said in, in the, uh, like in the early days when they were talking about what they wanted to do with the cloud stuff. And it was cool to see uh, that now you can like stream from your own Xbox, which is exciting. Like Games that you purchased are eligible for this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've messed around a little bit with the streaming stuff, and hey, they pulled it off. It does work. Now, is it the best thing for certain games like you know shooters that require quick movement or fighting games? Absolutely not. But for something that's like a narrative game, like your Pentiments or your Norcos or, or Citizen Sleeper, yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably good for that kind of style. And hey, if it works, it works. Uh, and then a game that came 
yeah, was announced. And then there are people still playing it. I said people are still playing Somewhere. it. Somewhere. Some are people are still playing it. Overwatch 2. But when yeah. it was announced that it would be coming like <laughs> officially later this year, they did also announce that they would be shutting down the servers for Overwatch 1. Yeah. Oh, boy. And, yeah, people were upset about this. And because ultimately the game that did come out was not that exciting. Mm -hmm. I feel like that the thing that people were disappointed across the spectrum, whether it was people who were like passive Overwatch fans or people who were like big Overwatch fans that like were looking forward to this release. There was just not enough on day one. There was some complicated issues with unlocking characters that people didn't anticipate. There was only a handful of maps and most of which we'd already seen. And, um, no real roadmap right now for the exciting stuff, which is the PvE stuff, the single-player content that they're going to put out. Yep. And a lot of people were worried that if their stuff was tied to Overwatch 1, it's not going to carry over to Overwatch yeah, 2. sure enough, it didn't. Uh, they basically were like, all right, we're just going to open everybody's chest if you have any, and that's just what you get, and you have to use it now because it will disappear. Yep. And so, yeah, people, it was a... Oh, yeah, not to mention that when it did finally come out, the servers were borked on day one, and nobody could get in. Yes, Cues of getting into <laughs> matches. So just continuing the disaster that is Blizzard over the last few years. I'm trying to think of how fast yeah. I, uh, un like I took it off my PlayStation. Yeah, <laughs> so quickly. Like a day, I think maybe two. I believe it. Yeah. So yeah, Overwatch two disappointment. Uh, yeah, I feel like Saints Row and Overwatch two, two of the biggest disappointments of the year for sure. Yep. But a game that wasn't disappointed, God of War. Ragnarok. Yes. Which yes. had some some rumblings of it possibly being delayed to next year, but... It made it. Cord Balrog, Barlog came out and said, nope, it will make 2022, and sure enough, it arrived. Yes, it's here. It's literally here. You've played a lot of it. This is not a video. They didn't see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... And you were play, uh, you're playing it. You will talk more about it later. Oh, sure. I'll talk more about it later. Especially since we can talk spoiler-free here. Yeah, we can get into it. Yep. Well, spoiler-free, is that the right term? No. Full of spoilers, that's the word. <laughs> it's not spoiler-free. Spoiler yes, no, no. Just be warned, there will be spoilers. Be warned. Every video game we're going to talk about will be spoiler-heavy. Yes, we'll get there. Let's see here. And then we get into E3. Yes, the, the return of E3 for next year. Yep, next year. Um... Brought to, you brought to you by Repop, the events company behind PAX. They're going to take over running E3, and they will uh, basically do the, the expo s stuff. Uh, so the ESA will no longer be doing that themselves, and thank God, because they were not great at it. Yep. And yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I think they'll, like, maybe, maybe be the first positive talk that we have at E3 in person for a while. It'll also be the first E3 we've had in person for a long time. Yep. Uh, yeah, we'll see next summer like how this actually ends up, but it's definitely interesting that they were able to get a company, this expert at doing expos, to handle the expo part of it. You know, it's almost like hire the experts to do their job. You think? You'd think that that would happen You'd more think often, that. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one more funnier news stories that we've had. Yeah. Uh, a shareholder. Oh yes. For Nintendo. Bought one share of the company in order to <laughs> ask a question during the shareholders meeting yes. about any new F-Zero game coming. Uh, yeah, this was so funny. And it worked. They did answer his question. They yes. basically were just like, hey, 
We literally can't make every single game that fans want because otherwise there would be way too many projects on our docket, is basically what they said. Mm-hmm. That's, and ultimately that's correct. When you're Nintendo, there's a lot of beloved franchises that of course you'd love to make, but there are only so many resources. And there's only so much customer data that they look at and be like, who's actually going to buy this game if we do make it? And that's why you'd see Mario and Zelda, and you don't see F-Zero, you don't see Wario Wario Land, Land. and you don't see these smaller niche, more niche uh, franchises. So, yeah. But it is very impressive that the shareholder ultimately spent, what, $40,000 just a question. (laughs) Yep, $40,000, but hey, got the answer to your question. Did it. You checked that box. All right. Uh, We also had, in the summer, a PlayStation announcing... Uh, that it would have a new loyalty program yeah, called PlayStation Stars. So this is out, and a couple weeks ago I asked how you felt about this, and ultimately you were just like, meh. Meh. I tried to, like, stay on it for, like, the first week, and then it's like, meh. Yeah. No. Just, there's not a much of an incentive to do it, is the thing. And mm-hmm. I think that until there is, it's going to be a hard And step. a lot of the incentive was to buy new games, yeah. play new games. And that's not me. No, it's not an incentive, really, unless you're Sony. Yes. <laughs> like here, buy our new new games. Yeah. Yep. Um, in, in terms of lines of more deals happening, yeah. Xbox or Microsoft announced that Discord voice chat will be coming to Xbox consoles. Yeah, in fact, Discord made its way both to PlayStation and Xbox this year. Um, so it was neat to see them just dedicate, like, like basically replace their in. There are already existing messaging services. It'd just be the one that everybody else is on. Smart. I'm not really a Discord person myself, but I get it. And the people who are in it, it's their life. And so I bet this is, has changed a lot how co- uh, conversations about like partying up for games and stuff has worked on consoles. So good for them. Yeah. Um, also good for the uh, modding community that they fooled everybody yeah. with a near automata yes. mysterious door opening. This is a cute story this year. Yeah, like even the creator of the game himself didn't really know what to make of some screenshots that were coming off of this thing. And everybody was like, wait, is there an update? Is there a secret that we never uncovered in automata? No, you're right. The story ended up being that a mod went viral uh, and uh, people were tricked thinking that it was part of the game. But no, it was just showing off new modding tools. Yeah, but it's good to see that the modding community can make <laughs> real-life yeah. like, looking games. For sure. Yep. Uh, we had uh, Game Pass toying. Oh, yes. Family. Real, yes, family membership. So this still hasn't happened, but yeah, it seems like more or less will happen at some point next year. There will be a family plan for Xbox Game Pass. Just wait, it'll happen. Yep, and then... Like, everyone in a frat house will join on one account. Exactly, why not? <laughs> Instead of paying individually. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, and then more uh, legal battles between Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, again, with Game Pass kind of being, like, sniped by PlayStation. Be like, yeah, no, they're making deals that we can't make kind of stuff. And, like, going back and forth about it. Yep. Oh, and then when uh, Marvel's Spider-Man got released on PC... Some people noticed that the names within it was referencing PlayStation PC Launcher, preferably about launching PlayStation games on the PC. Honestly, I could see it because Sony's really making a push to put PlayStation games on PC. Mm -hmm. You see it more and more. Just this week, uh, there was a story I didn't say on the podcast, but um, 
Gran Turismo 7 developers were talking about, like, oh, yeah, we've toyed around with the idea of a PC version. We're thinking about it. Not committing to everything, but it definitely makes me think that Sony is talking to every one of their studios and being like, hey. Especially big IPs. It would be a good deal for everybody involved if you worked on a PC version of this game. Mm -hmm. And I think going forward, I think Sony is going to think about that with new projects going forward. Where they're going to be like, from the beginning of development, they're probably going to be like, hey, think about a PC version because we'd really love to do that. Yeah, because the modding community could be really great. Yeah. Not to be really terrible at times. Especially <laughs> with one modder removing all the pride flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of sucked. But something like that is inevitable when you give kind of the internet the keys to something. Yes. Uh, so yeah, moving back to Sony's plate. Yes. Uh, they did announce a price increase for yeah. the PlayStation 5. Worldwide, not affecting the U.S. I want to note that. Although, that's for now. I don't think it will happen, though. Ultimately, this was in kind of the late summer, which was the peak of this conversation we've had about inflation here, uh, global inflation, uh, and global inflation everywhere. I think that things had gotten such such a high point that all sorts of companies were asking, okay, now is when we raise prices. Microsoft, at the time, said that they weren't going to plan on raising their price. Nintendo said something serious, similar. But... Recently, the tune has changed. Microsoft's Phil Spencer, second time we're mentioning him here, yeah. uh, said something along the lines of, hey, we said we weren't going to do it then, but it's always a possibility, and if things don't change soon, we may have to do something. So we'll see, ultimately, if this ever does affect the price of these in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, it could happen, but I, don't, I have a feeling maybe that we're getting turning a corner and that maybe that's not necessarily going to happen anymore. Right. But we'll see. Yeah. We will see. Uh, especially as we are probably a couple of years on the cusp of a new generation? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on who you ask. There was actually a story going around that was more on the rumor side. Well, not really. I guess some legal document came out and got leaked that involved Sony basically had to say when they thought that the next PlayStation would be released. Mm -hmm. And so they gave a date, but it was redacted. And so everybody was like, oh, well, it kind of looks like this. <laughs> so they were trying to figure it out. I think some people actually did have the non-redacted version of that form. I only saw the redacted one. So, but ultimately, no company truly knows until mm -hmm. you're so close to it that it's going to happen, right? right? I imagine that, like always, the answer to this question is, yes, of course, all three companies are probably looking at and experimenting with new console ideas. Why? Because they always are. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. They're secretive about when it's going to happen, but they're definitely not secretive about, like, yes, just assume that always they're looking at the next generation. Also, don't assume that whatever tech, like, console gets sent out is the way the final version. Yeah. yeah. They will so, always get cleaned up. We've seen this time and time again, especially with the PlayStation's weird-looking, like, V systems and yeah. Cube systems. I think where I'm, at, where I'm at with it is that I think that we were in such a we're sitting in such a unique generation here mm -hmm. that I feel like whatever you think the timeline is, add three more add years. Three years because 2020 and 2021, people could barely buy these things, and you saw a delay in development too with games being released on the older generation at the same time to kind of hedge for people that weren't going to be able to buy the new generation. It took until this calendar year for games to be next gen exclusive. Uh, Marvel Midnight Suns was one of them. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you, you're you only getting into, like, now, where this is becoming a thing where you actually do have to own even God of War as a PS4 version. Yeah. 
like Gran Turismo 7 had a PS4 version. It's like, we're not to the point now, even now, in 2022, years after the release of the, these consoles, where we're getting exclusive right. games. Right, when, when we're talking about new releases, we still say PS4, Xbox yes. Series, I think the, Xbox One. The exception to this rule is Nintendo. And, I'm, and I think that it goes back to our conversation about Scarlet and Violet on the regular podcast, mm-hmm. which is, we have hit a wall with the Switch. Not necessarily just because Scarlet and Violet, obviously, a lot of that is Game Freak. Most of that is Game Freak. But we've also had a narrative this year where it's like, there are lots of games that are butting up against the Switch, technology-wise. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be great to see if Nintendo does have something they're cooking up? It does go hand-in-hand with something that we don't talk about on podcasts very often, (laughs) and that is the um, silicon shortage of chip manufacturing. Yeah, it's been kind of in and out all year. Uh, I feel like it's getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, So Nintendo may be able to have a better time announcing new, if they do have a new console to announce. They they can probably do it now way easier than they could have done it last year when all those rumors were around it. I think the reason why they didn't pull the trigger then is was just because of those shortages. That if they announced something and then all of a sudden weren't able to crank them out, it would have been a PR nightmare for them. And I think they knew better. Now, things are better. I mean, Steam, like if you want a Steam Deck, you can just get one now. Yep. They're still available. Like for a while, it was the question is like, can they even make these things? Even PS5s. Like, yeah, PS5s, Xbox Series Xs. Yep. All of them are becoming more available, which makes me think that if Nintendo's going to do it, it'll be next year around the talk around the time that they're starting to talk about the Breath of the Wild 2 release. I think it's time. It's funny you keep saying that, but it's Tears of the Kingdom. Tears of the Kingdom, yes. That's yes. Right. Yeah, I think it's time. Uh, and yeah, I think we hear about it sooner than later. But Microsoft and Sony, I think they're quiet about it for at least another calendar year. Yeah. Well, moving on, we also had Gamescom opening night where yeah. we had several announcements, including Gotham Knights, confirmed for this year. And but and then also a big disappointment this year. Yeah, we also had Tales from the Borderland coming also, out. Also, Gotham Knights was the game I was thinking, not Midnight Suns. My bad. Uh, Gotham Knights was a, a next gen exclusive. Okay. Um, yeah, we also had new Tales from the Borderlands. We had Return to Monkey Island yeah. and Sonic Frontiers. Sonic Frontiers, a game that came out and also was kind of buggy, but also people kind of weirdly liked it. One of the best reviewed Sonic games in years. Some people are, are getting to speed run that thing, too. Yeah. It's, it seems like that's a little bit of a sleeper hit. Yep. Uh, then Halo Infinite keeps getting hit with delays. Yeah. After delays, after delays. Just what a lousy post-release trip for that thing. Yep. Uh, and then the new OLED Switch model was announced to be having a Scarlet and Violet release as well. Yeah, they, they, they do these bundle packages. Well, they're not really bundles. They don't come with the game. But they, they do these the themed switches now with all the big releases. I think mm-hmm. it's fun. Yep. Uh, the Yakuza series was renamed to Like a Dragon. Yeah. And we'll get two new Like a Dragon games. A kind of time travel story about feudal Japan with Ishin mm-hmm. and a uh, new proper game in a Life at Like a Dragon 8. Yep. Uh, and then... We had Assassin's Creed Infinity platform yeah. announced um, with one game name codenamed Red, set in feudal Japan, yeah, and one codenamed Hex, which would be about witchcraft. Yeah, neat ideas, um, and I'm glad that they have a platform now where they can experiment with Assassin's Creed and do smaller stories like this. 
because it avoids that problem that a lot of people have with modern Assassin's Creed games, which is, God, there's too much to do, and it's too damn long! Yes. So yeah, smaller, more concise stories in the Assassin's Creed games sounds like a great deal. And then we also have the GTA 6 hack. This actually... Could be gay. Could be news. It's up there. It was a cool. It was not well, not cool, I guess, but it was a neat story. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have a big leak like this every a lot in the video game world anymore. So see something this actually felt like a bit of a throwback. Yeah. So somebody was able to get a hold of foot early, early, early footage of GTA Six, a game that a lot of people are looking forward to, and uh, it leaked a lot of very credible information. So credible that Rockstar had to basically say, yeah, that's real, and no, it's, you don't get to see it anytime soon, we're still working on it, mm-hmm. and what the hell, essentially. I mean, they did show off, um, like, official screenshots, yeah. like, uh, a couple of weeks later. But, assu- but also under the assumption that, like, no, these so early in development, mm-hmm. this is nowhere what this game is going to look at, look like when it released. And so, yeah, it did create this conversation about, like, how early is early? Do the fan are the fans overreacting because they don't understand how game development works? And when do fans <laughs> need to know? Yeah, how secretive is the industry, and why is the industry so secretive? Because like even yeah. like with movies, you know something's in production, yeah. you know a scripts in play. It's not like yeah. just come, things come out of nowhere. Whereas with video games, they kind of do. They do, and, and a lot of things that make video games what they are don't hit until the final stretch, mm-hmm. and that's years in development. And so, yeah, it's just such a different animal that industry really has to consider things like this uh, when planning to market and uh, show fans their games going forward. Especially when a console itself may not be available by the time it gets released. Yeah, who knows? You change platforms all of a sudden on you. Yeah, or just go out the door completely, like Google Stadia. And yeah, I feel like this, in uh, any other year, this would be something, but I feel like we knew this was going to happen, so this is not that much of a story, because Google shut down Stadia after a couple of years of trying to see whether it would hit. It didn't, and they admitted it. But they also went the extra mile and actually refunded everybody for buying the hardware or games on it. Mm -hmm. So it was very nice of Google doing something they didn't have to do, but yes, it does follow in the ever-continuing pattern of Google launching something, and then it being... A huge disappointment, and them shutting it down. <laughs> yep, and then we get into October, which is the release of Overwatch Two, we and about... we talked about all the buggy experiences people were having. Yeah. Same with Saints Row, trying yes. to uh, get a patchwork in there as well. Yeah, but that was the story of Saints Row. Basically, is that it just came out and really disappointed people. Um, just a buggy mess. Just things didn't work. I mean, you played it. Yeah. Your experience was just was was not even. It literally out. bugged out the final scene. Yeah. Like, like the final boss, and I was like, well That's it. In addition to all the other bugs, you can't even get the ending right. Right. Just super disappointing, especially considering a game that we were so excited to play. Yes. Uh but that does bring us to a story that could have been story of the year, had it actually been true. And that's yeah. a game out of three. So, this is a mess, and ultimately the biggest loser here is Bayonetta 3, the video game, mm-hmm. because I feel like so much uh, of service was, was, was about this instead of the game itself. Mm-hmm. This, uh, the shortened version is, voice actor of the original Bayonetta did not return in this one, saying, the reasoning being that she was not paid the amount she thought it was worth, 
She said one number, ended up being called out for it as being a way different number than she was actually offered, which then evolved to people from Platinum saying, like, hey, uh, maybe don't, like, talk to, like, talk, like, uh, try, like, try not to, like, abuse it or talk, like, like, harass anybody on the internet involved in this, whether it's her or the replacement voice actor, voice actor extraordinaire Jennifer Hale, who also was asked about this and also had to make this awkward statement. And, uh, yeah, ultimately it just overshadowed what was actually happening, which was the game. And, yeah, uh, over time it kind of came out that, yes, maybe she did lie, maybe that she was offered more than she said, maybe some of her views aren't so great, (laughs) maybe... Maybe we're better off with Jennifer Hale in the role, and so it kind of muddied the conversation, which does need to be had about how much voice actors are paid for video games. It also kind of reignited the conversation of should voice actors have royalty payments in video games? They don't, as of right now. Mm-hmm. Should they? That's a question for the unions, and it'll be really interesting to see if this adds to that conversation going forward. Otherwise, not great for anybody involved. Yeah. And then we get to uh, Rocksteady co-founders Stefan Hill and Jamie Walker yeah. leaving the studio yeah. to create their own. Uh, and then, yeah, pretty much that brings us to now. In November, yeah. uh, Volition became part of Gearbox. Yeah. yeah. Pokemon got released. Yeah. And then the FTC got its hands Uh, on Microsoft bringing them in front of them. Which we talked about that. So, yeah, that catches us up to the end of the year. And we're here. Uh, So, I think we know what our story of the year is. I mean, it did dominate a whole bunch of the year. Yeah, I mean, this Activision Blizzard stuff, yeah, it has to be it. Because, yeah, you're right. It dominated the conversation. Still dominates the conversation today. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's such a complicated animal. Because not only is this a story about can Microsoft, one of the biggest technology companies in the world, uh, by one of the biggest video game publishers in the world. Should we allow this to happen is a good question. Mm-hmm. What effect does it have on their competitors, like including Sony? That's a big question. Also, what does it mean for the legal trouble that my, uh, Activision's been in for the last few years? What does this mean for Bobby Kotick, former CEO, or current still CEO of Activision, who was also in hot water for a lot of business? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean for unions? Microsoft said that they will continue and acknowledge the unions if uh, if the if the act acquisition goes back. We've got to talk about Bobby Kotick's show companies. Yeah, that's right. Um, where he used multiple show companies to donate to uh, the uh, RNC. So yeah, it's just such a huge story with so many parts to it, and that. It's like a Katamari that rolls up so many stories that we talked about this year. Yes. And I think it almost has to be. Yeah, the Microsoft purchase, and I use that quote because it's not finalized yet, yep. will continue to be, I think, a story and next it, year as well. But right now, I think it's mo- the most 2022 story. Yeah, they'd like that purchase to be finalized by June. But I don't even year. think it's going to hit that because if it's in the courts, it's going to continue. Yep, as we've seen, yes. courts can hold things they up. really, really can, can't they? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's the story. I don't think there's any debate. I mean, we can debate, but yeah. there is no debate. We'll other, save our breath. The other debate is like all the different like news and stories that came out for games that were coming out. Yeah. Like 
Whatever the Pokemon games, how about we always talk about three Pokemon games? I mean, yeah, you could also. There's an argument. I guess there is an argument about, like, broken, disappointing games, because that yes. did happen several times. But also, that's been happening for years in video games. Yeah, but it just becomes such a voice here, not just with Pokemon, like yeah. you said, but Callisto Protocol, um, Saints Row, Saints Row, Overwatch 2, Gotham. Yep, Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights. Yeah, it happened a lot. Uh, but I still think this Activision stuff is bigger. I mean, yes, it's yes. bigger. But we're talking about billions of dollars. Yeah, we are. 69. Nice. A nice amount of money. Yes. So, all right, that's it. That's your story of the year, Microsoft and uh, the Activision Blizzard acquisition. Yep. Yeah, we'll see what happens uh, next year in 2023, or maybe later. We'll find out. Yes. All right. Now it is time to move on to the second half of the show where we give you our top five favorite video games of the year. Yes. Overall, we have talked about 49 different video games. Yes, that is a lot. That is a lot. Um, probably a roughly 52 different video game topics. There's some, like, um, stuff in here. like there's consoles. Have, there's consoles. There's, yeah. Uh, platforms. Platforms. Uh, some... Services. Yeah, some <laughs> services. New game stuff. pluses. Yes. Things that happened over the course of the year. I could probably bump us up in um, some accounting ways to get us <laughs> yeah. to a story a week. So yeah, bear with us if we forgot anything. But basically how this is going to work, we're going to both say our top five favorite games of the year, and then we're going to choose one game, or then we're going to choose uh, to talk about some honorable mentions that we maybe didn't fit into our lists, mm-hmm. and then we will choose one game that will be our favorite game of the year for the Media Boat Podcast. And since I went first last time... I will take this one, starting at way down at number five, and I mean way down this might be the lowest number five I've ever had, if you know what I mean. But I do love it. But I'm very conflicted by it. And I'm, of course, talking about Pokemon Scarlet. You can include Violet here. Flash the same game. yes. But uh, yeah, here's the deal with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I think that design-wise and choice-wise and vibe-wise, I think this may be one of my favorite Pokemon generations. They've answered a lot of important questions, which is, like include, how would Pokemon work in an open world? What are the quality of life things that fans have been asking about for years with Pokemon? How do we appease both the people who want Pokemon to be harder and the Poke- and the people who want Pokemon to be gentler? How do we do that and make one game? And honestly, I think they answered most of those questions with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and answered them largely correctly. Also, they pulled off a way better story this time than in Sword and Shield. I know the story in that game disappointed a lot of people because it didn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. This game has three different stories that all intersect with each other and work really well. I'm about to wrap up all three of them right now with where I'm in the game, and I really like where they're going. Yes, that is to say, I've not finished it yet. I'm very close. But so far, I really like what the kind of stories and themes that the game is working with, and they actually are doing a story with themes, which is, I know it sounds weird that I'm pushing on this, but for Pokemon games... That's a big deal. They don't always do this. And the fact not that since they black and white. Yeah, not since black and white, really, that they dwell this deep into the, the thematic stuff. There's some really interesting stuff here. But, and this is a huge but, the biggest ass you've ever seen. Oh, I've seen the big ass. <laughs> the big but is, yes, the internet is right. They're not lying to you. Scarlet and Violet are some of the most buggy, most embarrassingly running, like, worst technically proficient games you've seen outside of the first week of a Bethesda game. Like, I'm talking about, like, first week of Skyrim Mad. 
I'm talking about first week of Fallout 4 bad. I'm talking about arguably worse than those games in some, some ways. The frame rate, broken. The textures, in 64 level. The transitions between cutscenes, awful. Some of the character designs, bland. Like, some of the choices that they made here with the world design, questionable. Like, there's so many things that are just like, what is happening? And we talked it to death in the podcast, so that's all I'll say. And yet, it still rates in your top five. But it still rates because of how much fun I'm having with it. Under all that mess, these are really fun Pokemon games. And if you've ever liked a Pokemon game, I still think that there's something in here that does make me think of, hey, Pokemon's good again. Pokemon's great. I love the world that this game creates. And I also really like the open world. They've really done a good job with the design and making giving you options and giving you freedom. But, man, I think so many people are just going to be turned off by how this game runs that I really am crossing my finger that they figure it out. And they put out patches and they make it run better. I think that there's some stuff that's never going to get better, like the textures, and I think just... There was decisions made with how the game runs that are just going to be baked in so deep that they never fix it. That being said, this is a great template for whatever the next generation of Pokemon is. And at this point, it has to be on the next generation of consoles because they can't wring out more stuff from the Switch. I think that is just not going to happen for them. That being said, what they did create, I think, are good games but in the most disappointing package that they could have possibly delivered them. Oh, no. And that's how I, that's how I, I feel about Pokemon Scarlet. Anyway, so yeah, that's at number five, because I, don't, I, couldn't, I felt uncomfortable putting it anywhere else than at number five. You couldn't put it lower? I just, I, I liked it enough that I liked it more than the rest, of the, the, the rest of my top ten. So, of course, there's a lot of games I haven't finished on there, which yes. is probably why. But we'll get there in honorable mentions. Or, actually, I think you'll cover a couple of these. Yes. But yes, uh, at number four, uh, moving up the list here, I have Neon White. At one point in this podcast during this year, I said this was probably my game of the year. And I still feel like it could be. But there are just three other games that I liked better. That being said, Neon White is a blast. Neon White is a lot of fun. It's a game design clinic. It is, how do you make a game that feels like you're speedrunning without actually having to be as good as a speedrunner? They figured it out, and they called it Neon White. Now, the other half of it, which is the story stuff, which is the anime characters having very internet conversations, I like less than the game itself, and I think largely that seems to be the vibe everybody says about this game, is, man, it's fun to play, but this anime stuff is, like, kind of weird. That's largely how I feel about Neon White as well. I think I like the dialogue a little bit more than some people who really think it's bad. I don't think it's bad. It's funny you bring that up, because as I talked to you, I didn't play with dialogue. Yeah. I, I played it off mute. <laughs> right. But I think, but you're still reading the subtitles. Yes. That's still getting the story across. And I think some of that works and some of them doesn't. When I literally got one of the um, the tickets that was the, the Heavenly Delight tickets, yes. and it was literally a the episode in every anime where the girls wear bikinis, yep. I rolled my eyes. I was like, come on, game. You're better than this. But then I thought, is, are they, is, it, is it better than is this? It? And then I real, had that LDC, moment where I was like... LDC, man. Yeah, I know. And then I had that moment was like, no, they're obviously going for a very specific vibe, and that vibe includes, yes, there will be a, a swimsuit. It's like when you play a Border Vance game, and yeah. they do it like an obvious meta joke. Yep. You know, it checks out. I get what they're trying to go for. Not necessarily my nostalgia, but it's somebody's nostalgia. But it's balanced out by just how good the gameplay is. The way they bury 
the most fun thing, which is the rocket launcher zipline thing at the end of the game. Where was that? That's the best thing in the game. It's so much fun. Wait, you think that's the best thing in the game? Is there something else? Yes. <laughs> There's a card at the end of that. Oh, boy. All right. I'm ready, then. I'm ready for more. But, yeah, it's just... It's... Like I said, this is a spoiler filled yeah. talk. Uh, can I spoil it for you, then? I mean, no. Don't spoil that for me, because I want to get there. Okay. And I'm very close to getting there. There is something behind that. Okay, cool. Because it's blast to play, and I like the speedrunning element of it where you can compare your times to each other. I mean, don't try to do that from PC to Switch, though. We found out that doesn't work. We tried that. But I think that it's fun to have a game like that where you can see, like, oh, yeah, I'm slightly better than my friend at this level. Or, like, I can do this, but I can do it a little better. And I do like the Hades-style, like, oh, I can get presents for my, the other characters and learn more about them and get more backstory. It's a great package. It's a good deal for, I think, the price it is. There's a lot of game in there, and there's a lot of replayability to it, which I think is really cool, and more games should aspire to it. And I like the like of it, uh, the look of it, the, like, beyond the character designs. I mean, the actual look of the levels, like, is very cool, and it both That first very, level is very cool, very cool especially looking. in, like, the water and the reflection and everything. I like the one that I just finished, which is this, like, modern kind of skyscraper kind of vibe, yes. where it's Everything's like sunset like sky. And floating cities. Very cool. They yes. nailed a look and a vibe and a feel in this game that I think no other game this year has, and I think that's why it's on this list. It's great. I'm very excited to finish it and uh, put a like neat little bow on that present. Moving on to my number three game. This one is uh, not what I expected to put on my top five. It's even when I played it for the first time, and I think you had a similar experience, Vampire Survivor. This is a weird game. Yes. When you first told me about this game, you know, I was like, <laughs> I have the same kind of feeling, like, yeah. okay, I, I get the idea, but what's the, yeah, why what's are you so hook? obsessed with this game? So, the thing about this game, and we talked about this briefly on the podcast this week, was there's a moment where it will click with you, and it's not going to be the first couple of rounds. The first couple of rounds are going to be like, okay, I get where it's kind of going, then I'm not really sure how to move my character around, I'm not sure what these weapons do, these upgrades do, I don't know if I like this character, what am I doing? Then you play for a few times, and then you start getting more and more items, and they compile on each other in a way that benefits you. And you start realizing, oh, wait, this thing? I can just run into these bats and it automatically kills them? Oh, this thing? When it turns on, I'm invulnerable? Oh, this thing? I upgrade it so much, it evolves, and it becomes this other thing? Then, all of a sudden, you become a killing machine, and it's the most fun you've had in the game all year. <laughs> Something just changes, and the game is like immediately convinces you, oh, even if I die, i got to play this again, because what if this happens? And what if I'm able to do this? And what if I just keep getting this kind of weapon? What if I, like, like that Hades feel, in a way, that roguelike feel, where you're like, what if I just lean into this style of thing? I'm just going to go all the way. Every time I get garlic, I'm just going to get garlic. I'm going to get that garlic circle around me to be so big when it becomes life-sucking garlic. And then I'm going to get a life-sucking garlic. And then I'm going to have the Bibles that go around me. And then all of a sudden you have three, four, five, six Bibles going around you in a circle. And then those upgrade, and then all of a sudden they evolve into Bibles on fire that never stop spinning. And then you <laughs> get the double projectors on it. Yes! So they double in size. And then you get the, uh, oh God, what is it, the spinach. 
which doubles all the attacks of everything. It's the most snowball game ever. And I mean yeah. that, like, when a snowball is running down the hill, where you get that feeling where you're just like, I just keep getting more and more strong and uh, strong. And then death shows up, and you're like, can I take death? Can I kill death? And then death kills you, and you have to Yeah, he yeah, hit me. But, oh, my God. He one-shot me. I was like, damn it, you. It is the most, it is probably the purest thrill ride of this year. It's a game that feels better than so many games. I have two games on my list this year that I feel like, to me, take some of the most pure parts of video games and distills them to their essence. And this does that. This, uh, Vampire Survivor is one of the best games I've ever ever played uh, that make the, the, the reward, the feel of reward of video game playing, that power trip of video game playing in the most pure way possible. And I think that's why it's on this list. Yes, we do. I should probably mention, yes, is there, you know, some evidence that this game was largely stolen from another game and there was a game that predates it that did the same thing? Yes, that's apparently true. And that does make me think like, and is this really something I should praise? That being said, though, they took a game that was doing something pretty basic and really, really expanded on that concept. They just kept piling things on it where you're constantly unlocking new stuff. And I think that differentiates it enough for me to feel comfortable putting it on this list. Mm -hmm. But just know it has maybe a little bit of baggage about whether or not this was an original idea or not. That being said, for the way it feels, it had to be on this list because there's no game that gives you that power trip fantasy like Vampire Survivor this year. I will say, it is 8-bit. Yeah, it's very retro. Very retro. But that can be endearing. Like, I was, uh, Christy was telling you her experience with the game, which was like, it reminded her of stuff she played on a Flash website in 2004. Mm -hmm. It's got that vibe. Yeah. It's got that, like, hidden treasure vibe where it's like, oh, my friend told me about this thing and I play it during math class. That's what it feels like, but in a modern way, and it feels great. Then, at number two, I have a game that really surprised the pants off me. I had heard some people talking about a podcast I listened to, but I was like, eh, I don't know. A platformer, especially a platformer that's like a collectathon, I don't know how I feel about this. But boy, am I glad I played it. Because Tinykin is a one of those, by definition, diamonds in the rough like it is something that you would never think is as good as it is until you play it and again just like vampire survivor it takes something that's very key to a certain genre of video game collecting items and somehow breathes new life in, into it and makes it feel fresh again which is something i never thought of i'm a veteran of the nintendo 64 i played donkey kong 64 for crying out loud a game that was literally the peak of when games were about collecting literally everything in the world but Tinykin does it in such an original, fresh way that it doesn't feel like it's a collect-a-thon. It feels like you're collecting things, yes, and that is the main mechanic of the game, but it does it so well, and it feels so good to play, and the colors are so bright, and the level design is so good, that it never feel, felt like, ugh, I have to collect this now, or ugh, I need like a thousand more of this. And really, all they did was tweak a, little, a few things here and there to make it feel different. Like, one of the things that they do is, like most collecting games, especially platformers from that era, are games where it's like, okay, you have to get 100 of these or else you don't get into the next door. Tinykin doesn't do that. Tinykin does, says, hey, you can get 60 of these and that will unlock something. But if you get more than 60, then all of a sudden the counter is like, hey, what if you got 120 of these, huh? What would that, what would happen then? I don't know, you should find out. But you don't have to. But you can. And of course, that makes anybody like you and me be like, you know what? 
I do want to collect 120 of those things. I do want to find out what happens next. Mm-hmm. And then when you do that, it's like, hey, 120 was cool. <laughs> just in temporary like, social network. You know what's cool? You know what's cool? 160. And then you're like, oh shit, what happens at 160? And that adds like a carrot and a stick that's never existed mm-hmm. in the genre before. And it makes it feel better than just a regular collectathon game. Then on top of that, it's also kind of a Pikmin game. It's this cool like mechanic where it's like you're picking up Pikmin like like creatures, the tiny kin in the title, and you're like, oh, I need to move this from point A to point B. All right, my guy's got this. Or wait, no, I need to find like five more, and then I can come back here. It's felt like a plat. It's probably the best platformer I've played since that era of when platformers were the thing. Like from the N64 to GameCube kind of sweet spot for those kind of games. It really evokes that and feels just as good as those felt when I was a kid. And even those games you go back to as an adult don't hold up. This does it well, does it in a modern way. And also, compared to a lot of the games on this list, it's a short little treat. It's like, you'll finish it in like two or three sittings. It's very short. It doesn't waste your time. It's a very in and out thing. And if you don't complete, like if you're not a huge completionist about it, like, even if you are a completionist about it, there's not honestly that much to do. There's only, like, five levels, and they go down real easily. And the ramp-up challenge is just hard enough for you to be like, yeah, no, I do want to do this a little bit, and I'm not, like, dissuaded ever by it. I really had a great time with Tiny Ken. I loved it. And, yeah, it was, by the end of it, and it's such a sweet story, too. That's a thing I didn't even mention. So by the end of it, it's like, it slowly does tell a little bit of a story. And it is a cute one. And, like, yeah. Uh, by the end of it, I was like, you know what? I'm glad I had that experience. And it really, really stuck with me. I really like Tinykin. But, but. I remember one out. You remember one game. And I'll try to be brief because I am on a time crunch here. But, uh, my number one mo- movie. Jeez, that's a Freudian slip. Well, <laughs> it could be considered a movie. <laughs> yeah, so, well, that spoiled what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, my number one game. Game. I'm not going to say game in quotes. I'm going to say game in italics. Because it is a game. Experience. But it is an experience, I think, more so. It is none other than immortality. Because, Jesus, this game really, really makes an impact on you. Um, Gameplay-wise, is it the best game of the year? Absolutely not. I do actually have some problems with how they buried the thing about this game. And it did, and I found out firsthand some, some people don't even find it unless they're prompted to find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do find it, and if you do figure out the best way to execute it consistently, the things you discover will change your mind about the game. There's the game, and then there's the game. But there's also the game. There's like, this game is operating on three separate levels all at once. And we talked about this to death on the podcast. If you want to get hear us get way into it, listen to those couple of podcasts around when it came out. We really dug deep into immortality. I don't have time to do it here. But what I will say is, I think it is a masterful way. I think finally, after 30 to 35 years of experimenting, somebody finally figured out the real way to make video, like, full-motion video work in a video game. I think this does it better than any other game it does that's done it in the past. It made a game that is largely clips feel like a game in a way that they hadn't before. Made me feel like there was something to be solved. Made me feel like there was a reason to keep digging, to keep finding footage, and keep trying to see what was happening. And it wasn't even the mystery that's set up in the premise. 
that wasn't even the thing that kept me going. The thing that kept me going was like, wait, what is this game doing? What is this game trying to tell me? It's not necessarily about who killed this actress or how she died or, or if she died at all or if she's a supernatural figure that has never died. <laughs> There's so many questions you can ask because the game does such a good job of presenting those mysteries in a way that you want to find out more and like trying to figure out what it's even trying to say. And the weirdest part about it some of the actual footage is actually, like, compelling on its own. You're like, what is this movie about? I want to learn more about this movie, too. And all these, and these, the, the directors and the cast members and, like, what happened to this person? What does this person factor in to this story? Also, what do these people factor into the supernatural layer of the story? And also, how you're actually interacting with the, 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 the game to kind of coax out this extra layer of storytelling. But ultimately, the thing that changed my mind about this game was unlocking that secret scene or the final scene and just seeing basically the thematic end of the character and the game and everything he was talking about. And that was the moment I had with that game where I literally was just like, put my controller down. I was just like, what are we doing here? What is this thing? What is this game? Is this what you're saying here with this game? And that's when, even though I hadn't hit credits because I got the bug that didn't let me get credits, mm -hmm. even though I hadn't got credits, I knew in my head that I had finished the story. I knew in my head, I was like, no, this is how this ends, huh? This is it. I still played a little bit after that to see if I could coax out another mm -hmm. ending. Never did, but I don't think I need to. And I think that I got to the point where at that moment I knew, it was like, okay, this is doing something special. This is doing something different. This is doing something so beyond the video games at this point that there's no way, from that moment I was like, there's no way any other video game is going to be number one on my list. It has to be this thing, because it's going to stick with me, and is going to be really, really hard to rip out of my skull and not think about it. Immortality is a thing, and I'm glad that it exists, and I'm like, what? I don't understand how they made it? Like, even physically, like, I don't even understand how they made it. <laughs> I don't understand how they got enough money, production, and yes. budget to do it. Because they're not a while, big company. One, it's not a big company. Two, <laughs> everything that they have shot on film and is shown, yeah, is like the steps to a movie production. It's, it's, it's and also it's all shot in digital and it looks like it's not. Yes, half of the game looks like it's shot analog, and I don't know how they emulated it. What filters? What magic are they using back then? And yeah, the the lengths that they went to to make it feel like a production, literal countless scenes about them doing script review. Countless scenes of them doing pre-production stuff. Yep. Blocking. Behind the scenes, Behind the scenes. stuff. To, like, on location stuff. Like, how, where, how did they make this happen? Just, it's mind-boggling. Even, like, a rap party scene, too. <laughs> Multiple of them. Yes. And then that being part of the meta story, too, which is like, wait, how did all of this happen? And how did she actually do all of this? And how old is she here? Is she, does she age? Did she ever age? <laughs> Is this person the same person? Are they yeah. different people? Is this where, where did the jump happen? For God's sake, is this Adam and Eve? What is happening here? Is this the story of the Bible? Did the Bible happen? Are they alleging that this person was Jesus? It's like, what is happening in this video game? It's obnoxious, and it all does it, and not once did it feel like it was like playing outside of its range. Like it all felt like, no, this is what this thing is supposed to be. This is the experience. What a game. But I have to stop talking about it. I guess I'm running out of time. But yeah, uh, wow, geez, Immortality had to be number one, and it ended up number one on my list. <laughs> Unfortunately, it just barely missed my list. I saw it happen in real time. I saw yes. you remove it. I was like, 
Yeah, you want to see that? I was like, no! Oops, I know you had to go with the other one. Yes, because I have to go with the other ones, because those are games that I, yeah. while I did complete and finish Immortality, and yes, I do agree with everything that you said. Um, you also had a very different experience a different experience, than I did. especially trying to figure out yeah. what to do. And because it wasn't made super clear, that's why I right. kind of just bumped it just... That is the biggest problem with that edge. game, is that they made it slight... If the game hinted at that secret mechanic better and gave you more of a reason to try things, mm-hmm. I think it would have been immediately like a no-brainer. But I think that because of that, it's the one thing that holds it back. Mm-hmm. But hey, maybe they'll pack something later. Well, maybe we'll scrub it later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll scrub and redo it. Yes. Reshoots. Reshoots. That does bring it to my yes. top five. All right. And as always, my number five stock goes to my mobile game of the year. And this was an easy one. This well, one. I had two, actually, on okay. here. Uh, one being Disney Mirrorverse, but that was okay. very similar to Disney Sorcerer's Arena, which I've been right. playing. Right. So I said went with a different Disney property. Yes. Marvel Snap, card based game. This was closer than you think. Uh, to my to my top ten, uh, to my top five. It is on my top ten. It's on your top ten. Yes. Yes. But yes. Marvel Snap. Pick a card based <laughs> game. It's not that close. Number nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take a card based game, um, but simplify it. To where cards can only do one thing, mm-hmm. um, have a finite amount of cards, unlike Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon or uh, Magic the Gathering, where there's like a whole bunch of cards out there, but start small, mm-hmm. start with characters that you know, that people like, and add one ability. Yeah. Also, add to the fact that you can only play certain cards at a certain time. It makes... All these card-based games in the most simplified process. And because it's Marvel, you already know, are familiar with several of these characters. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, Mystique makes a copy ability. That makes sense. That because Mystique does copying. Yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler moves locations. That makes sense. That makes sense. He can move locations. Uh, Iron Man, Tech, just doubles your score. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and finding out ways and combinations to create a deck to take on other people is such a simplified version that does everything right in the most simplified version. That's why it's on my list. You can jump in at any time. You don't even have to know anything about Marvel or the cards. It tells you what to do, (laughs) and it gives you enough time to get you hooked. Also, no microtransactions. Yeah. The only way you can get new cards is by leveling up. And because each level up is based on a tiered system, mm-hmm. that by the time you get to a certain tier, you have as many cards yeah. and the exact same cards as other people at that same tiered list. So yeah. you're not being like thrown into you against overwhelming odds against someone else who knows what they're doing. Yeah. You're playing at the exact same skill level against the exact same cards that people have unlocked at the exact same time. Yeah. It takes the ranking system and simplifies it. It takes the card collecting system and simplifies it. It takes the battle pass system and simplifies it. I was skeptical about this game until I played it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, no. Even somebody like me who's not a big mobile person and not a big card game person... um, 
yeah, it, it works and it's really good at teaching you the, the rules and it's just loosey-goosey enough for you to be like, oh, well, maybe there's not a best way to play this, but I can definitely do it the way that I think is going to work and experiment with new cards and see what works for me and that could be beneficial. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's different ways you can play. You can play trying to get the most in one column and yeah. get the most in multiple locations. Try to spread it out as best possible out. all three. Yes. Or sometimes they can backfire. And, uh, try to wait for certain cards to come into your hand to play. Yeah. Or you can be a dick about it <laughs> and only play cards that have negative effects to mm. your opponent. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like maybe this is you projecting a little bit about what you do to other people. No. You <laughs> saw what I did. Yes. I no. broke the game. You really broke the game. I got hundreds of of score points on each location. It's obnoxious, honestly. It's super obnoxious, isn't it? Uh, anyway. Anyways. Yes. yes, having fun with it. Also, it's, the fact that everything resets yeah. after eight hours, that something new happens. Very fun. It keeps you coming back. They really figured out how to make a great mobile game with this thing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it shows. Like Every step of the way, it's like one of the best mobile games I think I've ever played, which is saying a lot. But And the but, matches yeah. are fast. There's six They're rounds. Quick, yes. There's six, possibly seven rounds, depending if you play Magic or not. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they yeah. can go by quick. And that's great, too, because it makes that pickup and play faster. You're mm-hmm. cycling through uh, matches so quick that you can lose time like snap. No pun intended. Yes. And yeah, no. I, I, and I, even yeah. some of the challenges are very simple, like play a four base card. Yeah. Play ten one base cards. It's very simple. You don't have to have be like... Oh, like, do something very specific. Like, play this specific card X amount of times. No, it allows you the amount of variety in order to level up. Yeah. No, it's a great, really well-made game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I get why it's on your list. I bounced off of it, but that's literally just because Pokemon came out. Yep. And I was just like, no, this is my life now. Uh, (laughs) But beyond that, no, everything you said is true. It's a great, really well-made card game, and I think that it's getting the praise for a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. At number four yes. is a game that was on your list. I think it's the only one that we have crossing over to. I believe so. And that is Neon White. Yeah. And everything you said about it is true. Yeah. Take the fun first-person mechanic, throw it into a speed run, make <laughs> those levels quick. I'm talking like minute to minute and a half yeah, quick. Yeah. yeah. Like I think the longest level to like ace complete is... It's like a minute 20 not, or something. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah like, 90 yeah. seconds. And have fun with it. Make it puzzle based. I like my puzzles. I yes. like figuring it out. They don't feel like puzzles. puzzles when you're doing them. They feel like trial and error. But yeah, ultimately, it is a puzzle, and you do have it's, to figure out the best, most streamlined way of figuring out the puzzle. Yeah, and it's funny too because not only like is it fun trying to like be your best time, but you can hook it up online, yeah. try to beat your friend's best time as yeah. we try to do in person. It was a cool moment there. Yeah. It really created at the time a, a community, it felt like. It felt like a game that everybody was talking about at the same time and comparing times. That, that's always cool when that happens in video games. It's one of the things that are specific to video games that doesn't happen in any other medium, really, is that feeling of, oh, we're all doing this at the same time and we're comparing our stories. It's also cool when there is even a reward system for beating the developer's time. That's pretty cool, too. I, has, I mean, I'm never going to touch any of that. But no, but even with the developer, the developer cool. knows that, hey, right. I know there's people out there who, in the speedrunning community, could possibly break this. Yeah. We don't know how, but they will find a way to like beat our times that we say you should be able to make. Yeah. And yes, that's... It's a cool-ass game. And then the story. You're not complete with the story, but yeah, the characters... It's going some places. Yes. 
as I mentioned um, that in one of our fan questions, um, if there's a game that you'd like to see made to a TV series, oh yeah, one of them I said was Neon White. It could. I mean, it's, like I said, so there's some elements of it that I'm like, all right, this is a little cringy, a little like, yeah. But do we need to do this with these characters? Be, yeah, yeah. But that's okay because the characters are all unique. They all have their yeah. their very own stylings, their very own uh, not just design. But also the way they talk, the way they speak, the way they act makes everyone feel unique. It's not just like rubber stamping. Yeah. It does at times feel like, oh, well, we need this kind of person, so checkbox. Yeah, there's some archetypes happening. But yeah. yeah. But you no, know, they, they do have fun with the characterizations. I think it's never it's never done in a way where they feel like derivative. It's they're trying to be their own thing, but Obviously, emulating some of their favorite things, like you can tell these 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 uh, writers really really love cowboy cowboy bebop. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they really want you to know how much they do. Right. Anyways, anyway, <laughs> let's get to my number three game, and these top three, yeah, I have either have or very very close, like ninety nine percent. Completed the game, including all the trophies, all the extras. As is the usual for your top fives. Yes, as usual. <laughs> That's kind of like one of my bar. My my level of entry is like, would I, I come back to you? Yeah, and that's kind of why immortality is off my top list. Right, because once you beat it, it's very ex- little to yeah. come back. It's to. an experience that you yeah you can't really have a second time unless you're bringing somebody else in for that experience. Yes, and yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to happen for me. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. And so. Number three on my list is my summer game yes. of the year. The game I knew when it came summer out. Summer game not done quick. <laughs> summer game not, yes. The game that I knew when it was announced, I was never, it was going to take me a whole lot longer to complete. Yeah. That it was going to consume my time and that I was going to play it for the summer yeah. because Dolphins of Summer need something to do. Yeah. And that is Lego Star Wars colon Skywalker Saga. Yes. Big Lego game. Yes. All nine episodes in the Lego game, all planets have their own. So not only do you have all the adventure, like the actual story going through the Star Wars yeah, story, yeah. you also have all the like 1,200 collectibles to unlock in characters. Mm-hmm. All Every single planet has its own individual missions, yeah. submissions, connected missions. <laughs> As well as unlocking all the characters, all the gold bricks, all the hollow cards, there is literally a fuck ton to do. <laughs> and that's not like putting it like <laughs> it literally took me months to beat this game. Yeah. Because I would like feel like, okay, I completed a planet. Great. There's still twenty other planets out there that I need to go to. Yeah. So it that's why I said my summer game. And it's a game that I would highly suggest anybody who Wants to buy just one game, mm-hmm. and like I, that's, that's all I need. Right. Like if you're gonna buy one game out of the year, buy Lego Star Wars <laughs> because it'll keep it, you busy. It'll keep you busy. Um, there, there will be some times be like I feel like I'm just like doing the same thing over and over again. At times. It's like the three thousand piece pu- uh, jigsaw puzzle of video games. Yes, <laughs> or Lego piece puzzle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at times it does feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Sure, but. There is enough of a variety to where, like, if you don't want to do something, you can go do, do something, something else, else. Yeah. very easily. That's good. And that's the thing I like. It's like, you can do just, like, this all the space missions. If yeah. you get frustrated with space missions, go go and do the um, capture missions. Go do the shooting missions. Yeah. 
there's enough variety to and puzzles that each planet and each section of the system and each different galaxy has enough to do to where you never feel bored. Yeah. And each puzzle is very easy to complete. There's enough within it for everyone, even co-op. Yeah, yeah. To bring someone in That's pretty and cool. do this. Not a whole lot of games incorporate co-op, but mm-hmm. Lego Star Wars definitely does. That's good. Yeah, no, it seems like a good one of those. And it seems like they, the reason why they took so long on this one was because they were really trying to make it. It even thing. got delayed, yeah. and it, they definitely took their time with it. I'm glad it came out, and I'm glad we're... Ending the era, the WB era of the Travelers on a high or the TT games. Sorry, yes, I'm old. Um, the, the the their reign with the Lego games before they then just give the Lego franchise to whoever. I think this is a fitting end. That's good. Yep. To, good to hear. Is that good? Yep. Uh, but, but there are two games. Two more games. Yes. This next game, I a hundred percent completed. Is also the first one. In a franchise, a long sword franchise that I yeah. have never played, and I'm so glad that you did because now you can join us on the on the good side, the the happy pink side, the Kirby side. Because <laughs> surprisingly, yes, Kirby and the Forgotten Land is my number two game. Hell yeah! I did not expect this going into it. I figured, oh, I'm just gonna play it because Matt really likes Kirby, so yeah. I'll see what all the fuss is about. Yeah. But this was also the first time that Kirby went 3D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirby went into an open world, open level yeah. platformer. Yeah. And it was also my first time experiencing Kirby. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I actually just want to go back and play all the other ones. Yeah, I don't know if you'd like them as much, but yeah, I think you should check them out. But there's also a lot of things that they did right for yes. this first time, oh, being, Kirby being in a 3D. Uh, open world in kind of environment. Oh, yeah. Um, not just in the levels and the platforming and the design, because I do like my puzzles, <laughs> but also mouthful mode. Yes. Kirby just putting his mouth over everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, there's so much un- There's so much cool stuff that they're trying in this mm-hmm. game. The mouthful mode stuff is cool. The mini games are fun. The way you can evolve uh, your power, your copy abilities over time is really cool and it makes you want to experiment with them. The way that they have the, like, limit, largely eliminated backtracking, which mm-hmm. was a problem in the previous games, is way better. And it, like, they built it in a way where you never feel like you have to go, I have to go all the way back to this place with this power in order to get this thing. No, those days are over. It makes it so that way there's always an option to get the thing that you need in the level you're at. And it's a huge game changer. Trust me. The old Kirby games, not like that. <laughs> so, yeah, the solution was always within level. You never yeah. had to uh-huh. purposely bring in a power-up from yeah. outside. Also, you can level up your power-ups. Yeah, exactly. They're... You find the scrolls and you level them up. So it's a good fun. leveling system. So much fun. that They really figured out a lot of quality of life stuff for Kirby games. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this would probably be on my list if I had finished it. It's just that because this year has been busy... <laughs> And I think like it's it came, in the way. It came out at a time where I was like, yeah, I had some time, and now I don't all of a sudden. And now I don't know when I'm going to finish Kirby, and that's kind of where I left it left it out. But yeah, um, it's yeah, definitely... Yeah, I can see why you like Kirby games It's now. definitely one of the better Kirby games they've done. And yes. so you picked a really good entry point. And there's co-op. And there's co-op. And so you yeah, can play it together. It's great. Yeah, that's the great thing about the Switch. It comes with two controllers. And you can give to somebody built in and walk around and play. Yeah. I did a little bit of it. It was fun. Oh, yeah, it's a blast. Yes. But 
That does bring me to my number one game. And like I said, you knew this back in January. You knew this in November of last year. You've yes. known this for months that this was going to be here. you listen back to our end of the year list for games 2021, if you listen back to our end of the year list of what we're looking forward to in 2022, there was one game that I mentioned. There's one game that I talked about even here on this podcast. If yeah. It's been a focal point in our YouTube broadcasts for the past month. If you've not been watching it, that was the God of War Ragnarok, mm-hmm. specifically the Yotner edition that has been sitting nicely between us for the past <laughs> uh, frame for the past couple of weeks on our YouTube there it uh, is. plug for uh, Media Devote Podcast at <laughs> YouTube.com. Yeah, uh, but yes, I absolutely loved God of War 2018 when it came out. It was a fresh new take with Boy <laughs> now joining the fray, and it felt fresh. Mm-hmm. It felt like they took the concept of God of War and applied it to these open world based games and gave you so much to do and so much storytelling and lore that it literally took a long time to complete. Mm-hmm. Not only that, the way it was shot from 2018 was in a single take. Right, yes. And that is one well, thing. Shot. Shot, <laughs> yes. The way it was framed, the framing <laughs> device, is that it was all in one take. Right. So there was no cut, especially when we got to, to cinematic and cutscenes. Yeah. They brought all of that over into uh, Ragnarok mm-hmm. and did it better. Yeah. And by better, this is where we get into spoiler territory. So if yeah. you don't want to be spoiled, this is where you can like skip about five minutes till we get to our end of our year stuff. Right. Or our total wrap up. But. You can play as Atreus in this thing. Yeah, like, being able to expand it to being an ensemble story, I think, is really key. Yes. And keeping that single cut, uh, that no-cut take. Yeah. It is expert mastering in storytelling, especially when they got to that point where I could play as Atreus, and then he goes off and on his own adventure, (laughs) and at one point, they're completely two different locations, and I'm like... How the hell are they gonna like bring them back, bring together. Them back together? Yeah. How like it feels like my story's ending here. How am I gonna transition back to Kratos? And how are we gonna get to that when we get to that inevitable scene? What's that person? What that other character gonna have done? What is what is Kratos been doing over there? We don't know. <laughs> it also fascinating stuff. Yeah. It also expands on the the lore that it doesn't happen over one day. Mm-hmm. While God of War twenty eighteen and the story, you can feel like it takes place over one day. This does not. They specifically say yeah. it's been three days. So this does not take over the course of one day yeah. like 2018 does. This does, like in the story lore, take place over what feels like days and weeks, possibly a month even. Yeah. Even though it does keep that same momentum of a single shot framing device throughout the entire game. Yeah. It is amazing. It's super neat. What, what Santa Monica has been able to do with this game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that so some people are saying, like, oh, well, is it too much like the first game? Is it too long? Are there too many uh, characters tr- constantly telling you how to solve puzzles? Yeah. Like, are there things that maybe are just a little bloated about it? Maybe. <laughs> but that's modern AAA Sony games. That's what all of these look like now. Mm-hmm. And I think you do have to maybe expect some of that going into something like that. I mean, we had the same conversation with Horizon as well. Yes. And, yeah, I think we should say, yes, the 
the missing, uh, the, the, the elephant in the room here is that Verizon made neither of our lists, which is blowing my mind. Uh, not only that, but Elden Ring did not make either well, of our lists. It was never going to. But yes, Verizon but, had a moment where it could have. Yes, but when you're talking about uh, Game of the Year awards for everything, yeah. like all other publications, Elden Ring is always like right there yeah, with yeah, God yeah. of War. But we're not every publication. No. We're a special publication. <laughs> yes, we are very special. But yeah, no, no and, and I think that, that the strength of what they're doing right is, I think, you're making a good point. It's like, it was enough to withstand maybe some of that AAA bloat, where it's like, you had enough good time for what they're doing, that it was still what you wanted God of War to be. Yes, and the fact that in this, in Ragnarok, you can go to all nine realms yeah. and explore a well flushed out realm, unlike in the 2018 version where you right. were limited. It was late, too. It was like the game was eventually like, oh yeah, by the way, here's the options. After we funneled you down a tunnel for most of the game, yes. here's some other stuff you can go do. Now it opens up. Yes. And that's now what... it starts with the yeah. open world aspect. Well, yeah, that's smart, because I remember at the time more people were like, wait a minute, this is cool, why isn't this whole game this? Mm-hmm. And they made the whole game that. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. And you can go to every realm, there's Lots to do in every realm. Even after you beat the game, yeah. there's still an epilogue to complete. Yeah. There's even story elements to unlock at the very end. Like, I literally just unlocked one of the biggest twists there is, and yet, there's still more to do. Yeah. Like, some of the elements in this game, even like some of the twist endings, specifically who lives and who dies. Yes, because Ragnarok, someone has to die. Yeah. Um, who lives and who dies in this game? The secrets guarded for this game, for the storytelling, having nothing leaked, nothing spoiled, is a monumental achievement on its own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that they can't even make games like this, it's similar to our conversation about immortality, is like, mm-hmm. how many man hours, how many artists, how many writers? Like, games like this seem impossible to me. I just don't understand how you make something this high quality and put it out. I mean, yeah, it takes years, and it takes countless people, and so many teams, and other studios, you know, satellite in to help, and there's so much of that, but still, even with all that, even knowing how the video game industry works better, better than probably most people, I still am bewildered by games like this. I'm just like, how does a product like this exist? And then even getting into the combat structure of this... <laughs> right. As well. They upped the combat from 2018. Systems, a systems. lot more grappling, a lot more fluidity, a lot a lot more, like, action between switching of the yeah. different weapons. Yeah, just amazing stuff. Yeah, and, and it's one of those... I th- it's cool to see a game this big and with this high of a budget and this much, like, this, like, high stakes actually be good and end up, like, being something great because there's so many examples of when that doesn't happen lately. Yes. So many buggy games that were promised to be great and to see one that isn't and delivers on the premise and does the thing the fans want, to, want it to do... It's great. It's yeah. refreshing, and I get why you would want to adulate that. Why no, would you want I, to award that? It does feel at times that the story can get long, yes. Sure. But it does also feel like they did combine what yeah. would have been two more games into one, because ultimately the story of Ragnarok is the story that they're telling. Yeah. Yeah, What? just an accomplishment. Um, but that would be like the only like knock on right. it, because even in development, they came out and said... We're not going to do three games. We're just going to do two, and yeah. we're going to end it here. And they did. And they ended it on <laughs> probably the best way possible. All right. 
And cool. Then I'm glad it worked. And that is why it's Media Vote Podcast Game of the Hey, hey, don't get ahead of yourself. I did not play this game. All right. <laughs> we'll have that conversation. But before we do, so that's your top five. We need to go through some honorable mentions. Uh, mostly honorable mention is Horizon. Yeah, the most best. honorable mention. I really did really, really like my time with Horizon. I would have absolutely finished it if it hadn't been Gamefly and if I had more time. Uh, I really did like it. Um, I spent a lot of time with that game. I think that fundamentally everything works. I liked the story. I liked where it was going. I didn't have a lot of the problems that a lot of other people did uh, with this game. I was having a blast with it. And like I said, it would probably be on my list if I had finished it, but I didn't. So that's, yeah, my number one honorable mention. Yes. Definitely right. I really like the story in it. I like the uniting of all the armies. I like the big battle at the end. Yeah. But it also wasn't a game that I was immediately excited to jump back into. Unlike sure. War, where sure. I want that new game plus, I can yeah. jump right back into it. It's such a different uh, combat loop. Mm-hmm. They are two very different games yes. combat-wise. And I think Horizons does kind of wear thin faster. It's less of a combat puzzle. It's more of a, oh boy, I have to do this again. <laughs> right, because once you figure out for each enemy, it's the yeah. constant enemies, and there's only yeah. so many like bows you can and attachments that you can put on it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It, it, it's it's limited by the des- open world design that it relies on, which is funny to say. Yeah, which is fun, uh, but <laughs> it's a weird sentence. That being said, I did really enjoy my time with it. And yeah, definitely we should still shout it out as being yet another good example of a Sony AAA game that does what it needed to do mm-hmm. and accomplished it. Also, man, can we talk about that facial facial capture in that game? Yes. Those characters look uncanny. Like, not in a bad way, but in a good way, where it's like, oh my god, how did they do this? Have you seen any of the, like, uh, photo modes people have done with it? It's amazing. So good. It's amazing. Anyway, so yeah, Horizon, definitely don't, don't miss it. I also have Kirby on my list. It just again, just like Horizon. If I had completed it, maybe it would have made it. Mm-hmm. But it was such a tough year. There were so many games I loved that I had to make cuts, and Kirby was one of them. I really do like Kirby, and for all the reasons you said, it's a really great Kirby game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Stray on my list. I just barely got into Stray, but what I did play of it seemed really cool, and I loved the world. Very evocative. I loved the story that was telling. And I love being a kitty. Yeah, Stray is probably the most honorable mention of honorable mention. Yeah. Right up there with Horizon. Yeah. And that it's such a good game. It's very simple. Yeah. You only have like two actions probably, you can do. Honestly, I probably don't have much to play. I probably, I got like half, probably the halfway point in that game. Oh, so. you through the tree. It's like only yeah. like a thing I, left. I need to do a little bit more. And it's just a matter of actually sitting down and doing it. Right. Uh, then I have Marvel Snap on my top ten as well. I really liked it. I mean, like I said, best mobile game in years. I get why it's getting so much love. The last thing I want to shout out, Wordle, because that's a video game, technically. What was that this year? That was this year. This like the year of Wordle. I feel like that started last Maybe year. Maybe late last year, right? But I don't know. Yeah. I feel like this was the year of Wordle, and so I wanted to shout out Wordle. No, you're right, because, uh, so... I've been playing Wordle <laughs> on January 1st. Because you talked about the end of last yeah, year. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Talked about the end of last year. So when we had our, uh, uh, our first podcast. Yeah, I think that's when we talked about Wordle for the first time. Was that a... I think that we did talk, do a January 1st podcast, right? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, excited. So the first... So that is when you talked about Wordle. It was the first podcast yeah. of this So it counts. It counts. Yes. You're the word. And when you did, I played it on my mobile, on mobile, like right in front of you, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, see, I did it. Yep. And then I literally kept playing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I played it, and it did not break my streak. <laughs> I hit 100 out of 100. Woo! I hit, 
150 out of 150. The only time I stopped is when it went to uh, New York Times yeah, uh-huh. and it reset all my stats. I was like, it happened to a lot of people. I'm not going to. I'm not going to start <laughs> this over again now. Well, yeah, Chris, Christy, and I have made it a morning routine. We play Wordle every morning, compare each other's scores. It's been very fun. Yep. I even found some some additional ones, including Hurdle. Yeah, Hurdle, the Waffle, Waffle. Uh, what it was this the movie scene one? I forget. What it was. Uh, the Framed or something. Yeah. There's a video game one. It's yep. way too hard. Uh, there's also <laughs> uh, Hexadecimal. Oh yeah. Where it's like uh, tw- uh, thirty two. Different ver- different words, and you have to complete yeah. them within X amount of time. But yeah, I mean, it's cool, and I'm glad it exists, and it, mm-hmm. it, it made up another one of those fun, like, hey, let's compare things games, and those are always fun to do. So yeah, I just wanted to shout out Wordle. Yes. Any games you wanted to shout out? Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, game I want to shout out is uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Finally, wow. a comprehensive Yu-Gi-Oh! card game uh, with everything digitized, and yet... Because everything's there, people just keep breaking the game. So as much yeah. as I like playing it initially, there are a lot more videos that are like of people playing with certain <laughs> deck structures. Right, yeah. Watch the pros do it. Yep. Um, we're talking about uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, well, I mentioned good good year for MLB The Show. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing too fancy new, though, to really make it make a move here. So until they introduce something wild, I feel like we don't really need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> But yeah, it exists. It's a good baseball game, still. Yep. Uh, do we have Vampire Survivor on here already? Yeah, it was on my list, so we talked about it. Uh, no, I mean, like, uh, it's like here, up like in like January. Oh, I guess we talked about it again later. Yeah. Talk about it again later. Um, we talked about uh, oh, oh Saints Row. I got, about... I got, I got, I got at least mention Disney Dreamlight Valley. I did yes. play a lot of it this year, but. I don't know. I'll say what I keep saying about Dreamlight Valley. Man, have I played a lot of it, but is it a good game? No. <laughs> That's how I feel about Dreamlight Valley. Yeah. Do I recommend anyone play it ever? Absolutely not. But did I sure play a lot of it? And will I absolutely jump back into it when they do the Christmas update and they add the Toy Story world? Absolutely yes. <laughs> um, As Dusk Falls, which had a really weird yeah. art style, but yeah. a very fun game mechanic. Good idea. Um... Also, in that kind of vein of a good story, but kind of weird game camp, Digimon Survive. Sure. Uh, but, again, I do want to shout out, because I always need to shout out one of these. Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, uh, even though it's just a cinematic ending. Yeah. One of the most heart-wrenching things I've seen. Aww. Uh, it's, like, in, into the lore, it gets very tear-jerking, like, oh, why? Yeah. And yet, it still sets up, like, what's going to happen within the next yeah. series. Uh, right. Other than that, I think that that's that's probably good. I mean, yeah, there's some other stuff on here, but honestly, I don't know if they're worth mentioning as much. So I think I think we're good. Right. I think we're good on the honorable mentions, which means it's time we have to pick one game to rule them all. Unfortunately, there is one game that was on both of our top five lists. Yeah, but honestly, okay, here's here's where I'm at. Just to tell you, yes, the one that's on both of our lists, yes, or one point of crossover is Neon White. Yes. However, it is both low on our list. Mine at four, yours at three or four. What I'm going to suggest, and I think that I could see it winning. I could honestly see it winning. But here's the alternative suggestion. You have Kirby number two. I also really like Kirby. And like I mentioned, it's just a game that I I probably would have put on my list if I had just had time to finish it. And I do plan on playing more of it. I do want to continue playing. I want to continue. I don't want to finish it. So... I would not be against 
putting Kirby up, even though it's not in my top five. It's just that I don't know if we've done that before. <laughs> Put on top five. Yeah, oh, I'm, sorry. I'm trying to remember in the past if we've had a rule we've, about whether or not I've, we do we've things done that are it, not on the other person's top five. We've done it in um, music before with albums. Yeah, maybe. and I think we've done it with TV before. Okay, where it's so been it's, just outside. So it's not against our rules, no. I guess. But mm. uh, that's a, that's at least my gambit. I don't know what your opinion is because uh, yeah, my opinion. I would is, be okay with Young White. I just. I I mean, yeah, but that, by that same token, yeah. your number one yes. is on my number six. Right, and that's the other thing, is if you feel the same about immortality, I'd also be happy to have that conversation. I know, you'd be happy to have that conversation. But the compromise vote is Neon White, because it is something we both liked enough to have in our top five, so we have praised throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And also, it's fairly early. Uh, compared to a lot of the games we talked about here. Yeah. Which makes me think that it was one of the first games that came out um, in, was it summer? I mean, it's after Kirby and it's after Horizon. That being said, though, still fairly early in the year compared to the other ones that are on my list. It was like uh, an early August release, like late summer? Yeah, it was summer. Um, Yeah. I don't know. This is a toughie. I mean, like, I like the other one a lot. I just like... Do you just don't want to give it Game of the Year status? I just don't know whether it's Game of the Year. That's, that's fine, because I'm, I'm fine with, with God of War Ragnarok being Game of the Year. <laughs> it's not God of War. Because <laughs> that's the thing that I'm like, I didn't even play 2018. Like, I know. I've never touched it. It's just not my kind of thing. Like, I think the combat just begs more of what I, more than what I want to give into it. Right. And then I think that puts me off. So it's like... Do we have the conversation then? Okay, if we're going to maybe put Neon White aside for a second, is the conversation Kirby or Immortality? Do we have that conversation? So do we give it to a game in a series that you've never played, but I loved, that we both really enjoyed, that does a really cool thing and is probably one of the best in the franchise? Or do we do something almost its exact polar opposite, which is something that's not an existing franchise, was new to both of us, and was surprising in a lot of ways that wasn't predictable, but is a unique and individual thing that maybe never will be able to happen again. <laughs> my, my only thing with immortality is questioning how much of a game it actually is. Hey, we're not talking about that today. We're talking we, about mechanics. We, I don't think we can have that conversation here, because if we do chart to break down what's a game and what's not, you can even make an argument, is Pokemon a game? <laughs> Can you play it? It's not a game, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> like, is vampires... At that point, maybe we're talking about vampire survivors then, too. Like, <laughs> is that a game? Like, you you can't even play it not moving at all. Yeah, is that a game? You could. <laughs> In that case, immortality is more of a game than vampire survivors sometimes. <laughs> Just saying. See, that's why we can't have that conversation, right. because it opens up a can of worms we do not have time to get into. Yes, and yet we've been talking <laughs> about just our Game of the Year's <laughs> list for about an hour now. Yeah, so, I mean, goes to show you, like, this is a big, good year It's a good games. year for video games. And, like, honestly, I think I'd be okay with Kirby, I'd be okay with Immortality. If you're questioning You're just not okay with God of War Ragnarok. Because <laughs> I haven't played it! Yes. It has to be something so, that we at least both because played. Because that is the caveat, that has to be something that we both yeah. played. Yes. It comes down to those three games. Uh, of those three, I do have Kirby ranked higher. You do have Kirby, which gives the edge to Kirby. And but you do have Immortality ranked higher. Number one, which is way higher. So yes. I don't know. I think that 
for the sake of brevity, I think that Kirby probably is the pick because it's something that we it was surprise it was a surprise for you, yes. which automatically gives it more points in my opinion. I think any time where a game is a surprise, it helps. Just like how like whenever a um, you know how in like reality shows, especially cooking shows, mm-hmm. if they like do something daring and like something that hasn't been done before and they nail it, mm-hmm. it gives them kind of extra points because hey, yes. you didn't have to do it this way; you chose to because you wanted to show off, and it worked. That kind of how I feel about Kirby. Yeah. When the game's a surprise where it's like, oh, it didn't have to be this good. I didn't even think I was going to like it. But it gets extra points because I did. Yes. It was that. But you can do the same thing about immortality. I think it's it something, something very different about immortality, which it did do something incre- yes. incredibly risky. But the difference between those two games is that there are people who just straight up don't get what immortality is mm-hmm. doing and will never get it because they're just fundamentally against what it's doing. Right. Meanwhile, Kirby, something universal that I think anybody can see, anybody who's ever played a video game can see, this is a good video game, because it's fun, it's accessible, it's doing something that is easy for people who are even new to Kirby to understand and get immediately what it's doing. So that's why I think maybe Kirby wins here, because I think that even though it's not on my top five, it could have been, there's a version in another uh, dimension where it is, Yes. and... um, I really had fun with it. You had fun with it. And I think that it's just such a good feeling pick for us, our, our podcast, number mm-hmm. one. So I'm okay with Kirby. I'm okay with Kirby. Then are we calling it? No, so which brings me on like back into the biscuits then, because between those two. <laughs> Kirby wins. All right. Medium of podcast video game of the All year right. is Congratulations, Kirby, Kirby Forgotten, Forgotten Land. Forgotten Land. And well-deserved, I think. I think, yes. Uh, God of War can be number two <laughs> in our mysterious list here. Number one in my heart. Yes, number one in your heart. All right. But with that, that brings us to the yeah, end. Do it. Thank you for listening to a little bit of a longer one than we mm-hmm. usually do. Uh, but thank you. Uh, that was video games. We'll do continue our wrap up series in the next couple of weeks. We'll do television and movies, and then our last wrap up show where we talk about the year that was. So stay tuned for all of that and more. In the meantime, we'll be back with our regular live shows. Uh, so if you want to see those, they're on YouTube.com. Search Media Boat Podcast and find us via searching YouTube. Or uh, with that term, I just talked in a circle. Um, or if you want to listen to this and our regular shows in audio podcast form, we're on podcast services such as Media Bo- or the, such as Apple Podcasts. We've been talking a lot. Uh, <laughs> Google Play Google Play Amazon iHeartRadio Spotify anywhere you listen to podcasts you can find us do there and that's also where you will find our further year end wrap up shows and if you want to email us yell at us that we're wrong you can do so at mediablepodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to leave us a link yes. review of why Elden Ring should be right, exactly get mad at us about Elden Ring that's the first thought I had too it's like, yes. tell us why we're wrong about Elden Ring please tell us or if you think immortality is bad, please tell us. We're happy to hear it. Or if you think Kirby is dumb, don't tell us because you're wrong. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time for television, or you could be listening to it right now. Yes, if you're in the future, yeah. you can listen to it right now. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. All right, bye.